Hello, everyone. Thank you again for listening. Welcome to another glorious day in God's creation. This is Rise Up, and I am John Kowalski. Last time, we talked about progressive Christianity, and we were kind of working our way through the tenets of what progressive Christianity claims to be. And you know me, I'm a big believer as of if somebody tells you who they are, you should believe them. Uh, whether or not you agree uh, with what they say they are, uh, if that's what they're telling you they are, then that's probably what they are. Okay, Um, so we talked about some of the tenets of progressive Christianity last time. We did four of the eight, Uh, and I'm going to review those for you real quickly before jumping into number five. Uh, Number one was believe that following the path of the teacher Jesus can lead to healing and wholeness, a mystical connection to God, as well as an awareness and experience of not only the sacred, but the oneness and unity of all life. We, we talked a lot about what that meant, so I'm not going to go back through it. I'm just reviewing what those tenets were real quick before we move on. Um, we went through the Equality Act and some of that stuff in conjunction with that particular tenet. Uh, so if you don't remember, go back, listen again. Uh, or if you didn't listen to the last one, it might be a good idea to go back and listen to it. You don't really need to listen to them in order. Um, but you may want to know what we discussed during that, uh, last podcast. Uh, number two is affirm the teachings of Jesus provide, but one of, um, I'm sorry, affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide, but one of many ways to experience God the sacredness, oneness, and unity of life, and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom, including the earth, in our spiritual journey. Okay? Uh, That was number two. Number three was uh, seek and create community that is inclusive of all people, including but not limited to, and I'm going to go through the whole list, conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, believers and agnostics, those of all races, cultures, and nationalities, those of all sexual orientations and other gender identities, uh, those of all classes and abilities, those who have been historically marginalized, and all creatures and plant life. Um, I found that one extra interesting, as you can probably tell from the way my voice changed when I said it. Uh, Number four, uh, know that the way we behave toward one another and earth is the fullest expression of what we believe. Therefore, we vow to walk as Jesus might have walked in this world with radical compassion, inclusion, and bravery to confront and positively change the injustices we experience as well as those we see others experiencing. Okay, so that's as far as we got last time. So now I want to get into five, six, seven, and eight, and then do a little bit of a wrap up for you. Okay, so number five we're, uh, is find grace 
in the search for understanding and believe that there is more value in questioning with an open mind and an open heart than in absolutes or dogma. Okay, I think that's kind of a shot at Christianity. Although they claim to be progressive Christians, there's not a lot of Christian teaching in what they teach. Um, So open mind and open heart than in absolutes and dogma. Um, Pretty obvious shot across the bow, I guess. Um, First, uh, grace is God giving us blessing or good that we do not deserve. The gospel is God's grace. We do not find gra- we do not find grace. It's freely given by God to those who confess with their mouths that the Lord Jesus the Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead, right? That's Romans 10:9. Um that's where grace comes from. We don't find grace. Um we accept it that as it's freely given. Uh, This statement may be the most dangerous, though at first blush it sounds a little harmless. It really is dangerous because it's, it's really subjugating the gospel. It really is. Consider the meaning before or behind there's more value in questioning with an open mind and open heart than absolutes or dogma. Think about that for a minute. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, That, I, I, I don't see how there's more value in questioning with an open mind or open heart than in an absolute like that. God knows better than we do. How could he not? He created it all. Um, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That gives all men gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given to him. So, There is no higher authority than God. So how are we going to reason out a better way than God provided? We're not. That's the simple answer. We're not. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is the understanding. Now, keep in mind, people all, all the time question whether why we would want to follow a God we fear. Fear of the Lord is not fear. It's not, you know, the serial killer chasing you with a chainsaw fear. It's reverence. It's fear in the sense of respect, not fear in the sense of blood-curdling terror. That's not what that's about. So when people ask you that, be be ready to answer that question. We do not fear God like we would Freddy Krueger, okay? We fear God like we can respect no other being, all right? Um, You can't replace God's wisdom with man's. 
your entire worldview, including religion, politics, social life, relationships, etc., should be informed by your faith and the Bible, right? It shouldn't be the other way around. They're suggesting with this statement that culture and societal goals should be informing your faith. That is so backwards and definitely not Christian. Uh, Number six, work toward peace and justice among all people and all life on earth. Okay, this sounds really good, right? Peace and justice among all people and all life on earth. It sounds great if we could only all just get along, uh, right? Uh, What does Jesus say about that, though? Uh, This goes right back to Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Jesus himself said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus came to save those who would believe knowing that many would not, right? His progressives love to use pretty words to dress up their horrible ideas. They create slogans that no one can disagree with, and then they twist it into their radical agenda. And yes, progressives and progressive Christianity is the same ideology, okay? It doesn't just have progressive in front of it by accident, okay? This is a all-encompassing ideology, a worldview of progressivism. And now they've attached it to Christianity, and the only reason they leave the word Christianity in there is to co-opt it and keep us hooked, okay? Because we think we can have all everything of the world and Christianity too, and we can't, okay? Remember, Whenever they create these pretty slogans, if you find a reason to disagree with it in any way, you immediately become a racist, a bigot, you get canceled, right? Think about it. The Equality Act. Sounds fantastic. Who doesn't want equality for everybody? But I already explained to you what's actually in it. It's not about equality. It's about control. Uh, BLM, right? Of course Black Lives Matter Every life matters. So black lives matter too. How can you be a Christian and say that they don't, right? Yet, BLM, the organization, only seems to care about certain black lives. They don't care about, care about black cops that get murdered in the streets. Um, they cheer these murders, as a matter of fact, and have probably pushed people into committing some of them. Uh, they rally in support of Planned Parenthood who, who, uh, according to Multicultural Outreach uh, on RTL.org, that 900 black babies are aborted every day in the U.S. alone. 900 a day. How, does, how do those black lives not matter? The Chicago Sun-Times data shows that of the... Um, that of the last 506 homicides that occurred throughout all of 2019, 408 of the victims were black. There have been more than 716 murders in Chicago this year, a 54% increase, and BLM has said nothing. 
Uh, conservative black voices like Candace Owens, Herschel Walker, are called Uncle Tom and racist for calling out BLM hypocrisy. Okay, so how racist is it for a white BLM activist to become calling a black conservative voice like Candace Owens a white supremacist? I've heard it happen. I've seen it happen. Okay, it doesn't make sense. The other one is anti-racism. Okay, that's a great slogan, right? It sounds great. Nobody wants racism, right? Except racists and nobody wants them. So anti-racism, of course, we're all against it. Jesus was clearly against racism. All races were created in God's image. But the organizations pushing anti-racism aren't simply against racism. They believe it needs to be reversed in the name of equality. Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote the book How to Be an Anti-Racist, said this, The defining question is whether the discrimination is creating equity or inequity. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist. If discrimination is creating inequity, then it is racist. How does that make any sense? Somebody please explain this to me, okay? And he's one of the most popular voices in this movement, okay? Number seven. Uh... Protect and restore the integrity of our earth and all of creation. Okay, this is obviously true, right? Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice, though, though, that there has been no mention of the gospel, and we're still at number seven. Tenet number seven, right? No mention of the gospel. Really no mention of the Bible at all uh, to this point. Uh, Although they did mention conventional Christians, you know, us slackers that aren't with the program yet. Um, So we can't put the needs of the earth above the needs of God's people any more than we should worship creation over the creator, right? If we're putting the needs of the earth ahead of any one person, that has a need, then we're going in the wrong direction, right? Um, the earth and the creatures and the plants were all put there for our discretion to provide food, to provide clothing, to provide uh, everything, right? The Israelites lived off of their farming and their raising of sheep and goats that was their livelihood, and that was how they survived even the 40 years in the desert uh, on the way from Egypt to the Promised Land. Uh, number eight, all right, commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion, and selfless love on this journey toward a personally authentic and meaningful faith. Personally. Hmm. Uh, let's start with lifelong learning. 
Uh, lifelong learning about God through the Bible? Absolutely. But they haven't still mentioned the Bible, and that was number eight. Um, lifelong learning through propagandized worldly claims? Nope. Not for me. I'll take a hard pass. And I hope you will too. Um, rel- lifelong learning through propagandized worldly claims is is just relativism. It's self-defeating and, and their commitment to it is self-defeating. Progressivism is rooted in relativism. Compassion and selfless love, yes, right? They mention compassion and selfless love in this one. Absolutely, yes and amen. But is that what they're really teaching? One of their leaders um, has a, a blog, Reverend Roger Wolseley, or he wrote an article and he included questions from his audience. Um, John from Tucson asked him, I know that my search for meaning has often turned to secular materialism. I must tell you, this disturbs me. I'm not sure where to go with this. I can't, I cannot return to religion as it holds nothing for me. Yet I don't want to continue to define myself by what I buy and what I own. Any insights? So this reverend, Roger Woolsey, answers, As a progressive Christian, I have no need for you to think as I do or to return to being a Christian or even a progressive Christian. Notice he separates the two things. They are very different, and one is Christian and one is not. So uh, at least he's almost kind of honest in, in a way there. But I have no need for you to think as I do or return to being a Christian. So no gospel, no salvation, no need for it. Um, he goes on. I will also remind us uh, one can be spiritual without being religious. So he's reminding this guy that you can be spiritual without being religious. That's true. I mean, the Bible does say that even the demons are spiritual. Uh, you do not have to be religious to be spiritual. Um, and then he says, you seem to suggest that it's either continue to follow the vapid path of secular humanism or return to religion. I would suggest that there are other options for how you identify and define yourself. In this answer, he does mention Jesus once, the Bible zero times, and the gospel never. Okay, so this guy's asking for help and a claiming Christian doesn't mention the Bible or the gospel and only mentions Jesus's name once in this answer. This is a religion, but it's certainly not Christianity. Uh, it doesn't even claim to be in any other real way other than the fact that Christianity is in the name. It And that fact, the fact that Christianity is in the name, is simply a shiny lure cast to catch fish close to the surface. I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll be right back with you. All right, guys, I'm back. And now that we've been through the eight tenets of progressive Christianity, I'm just going to wrap it up with a few conclusions, okay? Um, progressive Christianity is, is rooted in relativism. It's 
all about you. It's all about centered around your connection with the world, your connection with God, Jesus, and it's it entices you to do whatever you want with it. Okay. Um, we know that relatives, relativism is self-defeating, right? Because it denies any moral truth, yet claims relativism is true. If there is no moral truth, then how is that statement even true, right? That there is no moral truth. Um, it's, so it's instantly self-defeating, yet it is the basis for everything that they teach. Um, progressives claim that anyone who doesn't believe in their version of Christianity is wrong. So, again, how is that objectively true if you're a relativist? Um, we're wrong, we're biased, we're bigoted, um, yet they still hold to relativism, which is the denial of truth uh, of any kind. Um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, by his own words. So they deny Jesus while claiming to follow him. Uh, again, a huge contradiction, right? You can't say Jesus is wrong and then follow him. Take up his cross or don't take up his cross. That is your free will choice. Um, God gave that to all of us, um, but it's your choice to make and it's your choice to make wrong uh, and your ramifications to deal with. Uh, Elisa Childers, who wrote the book called Another Gospel, which delves very deeply into this uh, progressive Christianity, uh, that she got wrapped up in uh, and got herself out of and wrote this book, um, she claims that if progressive Christianity has any sacrament uh, associated with it, it's the sacrament of de deconstruction. Does that sound like a positive building relationship with God? She explained that they believe that all truths are simply constructs of society, and we must deconstruct them all until all that is left is whoever we want to be. So this complete lack of anything but self is the goal. So imagine when you deconstruct all truth in your life. What do you have left? What do you replace it with? Relativism says there is no truth. So that leaves you no basis for belief in anything else. Yet they have very strong opinions on what their followers should do, say, and believe. Just try telling one of them the truth of the gospel. You will not find a more judgmental response than you will find from these supposed tolerant progressives. I searched uh, through their website, and, and I used their search engine right on the website, and I searched the word gospel. Uh, and nothing came up on the actual site itself, but there were many resources that used the word, word gospel, um, mostly in their titles, uh, but some of them used it throughout, but in the same terms. Uh, for example, the gospel of science, planetary gospel, the Gnostic gospel, gospel. That's G-N-O-S-T-I-C, right? Gnosticism. Um, the uh, Gnostic gospel of Thomas, etc. 
but I see no mention of the actual gospel of salvation. That should be enough right there to tell you uh, to run briskly away from this worldview. Uh, I searched for the word salvation and found an article by a man named Bill Allenbach called The Bulk of Christians Seek Salvation, Not Me. Uh, interesting title grabbed my attention, so I dug in. In it, he says, I have no desire to be saved, but in instead I seek a way to lead this life to the fullest. I know I have free choice and must be fully responsible for all my actions. No Jesus sacrificial lamb is going to cover me or free me from being responsible. Therefore, the idea that Jesus' death on the cross took away my sins is silly and a waste of a wonderful Jewish man. Finally, the supposed great master planner of this horrendous deed should be locked up and the key should be thrown away. Today, sacrificing one's child is called child abuse. Wow. Uh, that's a lot, right? Um, but it says exactly who they are. Okay? They don't believe a word of what Jesus says. They don't believe a word of what the Bible says. Yet they hold God accountable for child abuse despite the fact that Jesus was 33 when he was sacrificed or thereabouts. Um, and it wasn't child abuse. God didn't sacrifice Jesus. Jesus gave himself freely. Uh, so again, a gross misunderstanding of the Bible, a gross misrepresentation of the gospel, and further proof that progressive Progressive Christianity is anything but Christian. Uh, Karl Krieg, uh, in his article, Who Was Jesus?, a two-part article, describes four characteristics, or describes some characteristics of Jesus to apply to us all. Uh, he created, Jesus created his own world, and through him we all create our own worlds. Uh, humans inherently search for meaning in life, and the creation of our own private world creates a sense of emptiness due to our inability to appreciate reality, and so we seek to escape from the void we have created. I guess, I mean, that's true in a way. We do all search for a meaning in life, and, and we search in wrong places, right? We talk about that hole in our soul that can only be filled by God that we spent most of our lives, those of us who found uh, God and became Christians late in our lives, uh, those of you who are younger have an advantage because you, you filled that hole sooner than later and maybe didn't have to go through some of the tribulations that others had to uh, to fill that void. Um, but there is no worldly thing, money, fame, power, things that can fill that hole. Only God can, right? So in that way, he's right, but they were going about it the wrong way, right? He also says what Jesus presented the, to those who would become his disciples was an incarnation of who they were created to be and could become. So in his estimation, Jesus is just a goal that we can attain. 
um, we can become Jesus uh, in our own lives. Um, and that is awful. That's just not correct. Um, we can't become Jesus. We can never be who Jesus was, uh, nor should we want to be. We should strive to be as close to Jesus as we possibly can. But the day we think we've arrived, we are lost. So, guys, I, I don't know what to tell you. Progressive Christianity is not Christian. Uh, there's nothing Christian about it. They disavow every doctrine of Christianity, every belief of Christianity. They even disavow Jesus yet still claim to be Christian. Uh, they're not. I would call them progressive Gnostics. They are what the, the ancient Gnostics were. They're just, they don't believe. Uh, it is not Christian, okay? Uh, maybe they can come up with some other narcissistic belief in themselves as a god, uh, that they can attain some kind of hierarchy and eventually become a god in their own life. Uh, that's, that's I don't know, that's sci-fi to me. Um, they're not going to become a god. They're either going to turn and repent and surrender, or they'll be lost. And I'll pray for them, and I'll try to have a conversation with them uh, when it happens or or. You know, if somebody listens to this and wants to challenge me on my assertions, uh, I welcome that. And I will have an open conversation with them, um, as you should. Uh, we do have to share the gospel. We have to. This doesn't talk of salvation, doesn't talk of the gospel, says that Jesus was wrong, says that God was wrong and, and a child abuser. Um so I think you have your answer. I think you know that progressive Christianity is not Christian. And while some of their goals for social reform might be admirable, um, their worldly goals, um, our goals should be to achieve the same thing, but at the same time taking the opportunity to spread the gospel and hope that the Holy Spirit works in those people to connect them with God the way that we have been connected in a relationship uh, with with God. Um, that's my hope, and, and that's my prayer, and I will be praying for these people. Um, I would encourage you to challenge your friends who claim to be progressive Christians or who are falling away in that direction uh, to challenge the assertions. Go to the website themselves, progressivechristianity.org. Uh, go there themselves and find where they can be saved. Find where they can preach the gospel or hear the gospel. Uh, find it. I, I challenge them to do it. I couldn't, and I was looking. So thank you, guys. I'm going to uh, leave it at that. Next week, uh, my next podcast, probably actually later this week, maybe even on the weekend, uh, I want to do a little 2020 hindsight. I want to look back at 2020 and kind of identify some stuff we could have learned from it or should have learned from it or 
you know, things we can take away from it that maybe might help make 2021 better. Um, If you're one of those people who thinks that New Year's Day passed, so click last year's over and the new year has begun and it's all going to be different. It's not. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort and it's going to take some time. Uh, As you can see with this pandemic, the people in control are not backing down from their crazy uh, mandates. Uh, They're going to keep making them even though they're not backed up scientifically. We're going to have to live in that world uh, and we can't just ignore it and pretend it didn't happen or or, you know, put others at risk by challenging it. Uh, We can follow along, we can be good Christians, and we can say and do the right things that show that we are followers of Christ. So until next time, uh, I thank all of you for listening, and uh, rise up. I'll see you soon.